God's plan prevails. This is the thing that I want us to look at. It's going to happen. Um, we're going to see it all throughout this book. It, it's gonna, there are going to be times when it seems like, I thought God said this. Why is he doing this? I thought it was going to go in this direction. Why is he going in this direction? But when we get to the end, I promise that what we will see is that God's plan has prevailed. It will prevail. It always prevails. God knows what he's doing. He has a purpose behind all of his works and all of the things that are happening. And so this can be very encouraging for us. Sometimes it can be discouraging when we're in the middle of something and we don't understand why this is happening to us. I'm not going to promise that God will reveal the, his ways and his, the whys. Um, why, did he, was he, why is he allowing this? Why am I going through this? He might not answer all those things on this side of eternity. And I think he will answer them in heaven, but he might not. He's God. He, he, he'll get to do what he desires to do. Um, but what we will see is not just in the book of Jeremiah, but in not just in our lives, but especially in eternity, is that God's plan prevails. And so today, and we're just going to be setting up Jeremiah. Now, there is some wordplay here because I'm, I'm setting up the book as in explaining what's going on. Um, but also, uh, Jeremiah has a tough road ahead of him. And so uh, I'm not saying that God set him up, calling him to be his prophet, but it's going to be a tough road. And uh, you will ha- hear plenty more of that in upcoming sermons. Uh, but I want to give you, before we get into the book of Jeremiah, what I want to do is uh, I want to do this. How, if you are under 18, will you stand up? If you are under 18. Sean, don't pretend like you ain't under 18. Anyone under 18, stand up. All right. Now, uh, Rain, I'm going to have you sing a special. Uh, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just picking. No. Hey, today we are going to be... Um, talking about a king named Josiah. Lance, you ever heard of Josiah? You know how old he was when he became king? Show off. Uh, yes, he was eight years old. That, how old are you, eight or nine? Eight. Eight, almost nine. That's how old John Michael is. So he was, can y'all imagine Lance and John Michael being our king? Uh I don't know why they're laughing, guys. I think y'all would be great kings in 40 years. Um, but anyway, here's what we're going to hear today, and, and I want you guys to know before we even start looking into this, is that we see this this week with Josiah, and we will see it next week with Jeremiah, is that you, you are never too young to seek God, and you are never too young for God to use you. And so you guys can have a seat. But I just want, I want to make sure that y'all know, as I'm about to preach this, I don't know how, what you usually do if you usually come in here and think about video games or whatever, but I want y'all to pay attention today to the message and the passage, because this is specifically about someone who, when he was your age or younger, for many of you, he became king, and God used him. Now, um, before I get into Jeremiah, I, I want to let you guys know, this past week I went to the evangelism conference for the Arkansas Baptist State Convention and heard lots of sermons. It was I was telling, I think, Kenny earlier that it was you would hear a sermon, there would be singing, you would hear another sermon, there would be singing, there would be a 15-minute break, you would hear a sermon, there would be singing, you would hear 
and it would be like that. You would get, they did feed us. We did get to break for meals, um, but it was two days of that. And one of the very last things that we did before we left is um, we walked to the sanctuary, and this was at First Baptist in Geyer Springs, so it's, you know, big church um, near Bryant. And so um, we walked in, and they handed us sheets of paper. And I got mine, and Dale was next to me, so I grabbed his too, uh, Dale Sowell. And so I grabbed grabbed that, and when we got in there, they had us to read this out loud at, at, a, at a certain point, and we all read it at the same time, so I read my sheet while everybody else read their sheet, and we read it out loud, and in about four minutes, we read the entire Bible out loud. There were so many people in the room, so many sheets of paper handed out, and it was a really neat experience, and so uh, what's neat is, is that these papers were randomly handed out, and I uh, Guess what I got? Set y'all up for that one. Nope, Second Chronicles. But guess what we're looking at today? Second Chronicles, because this is going to set up Jeremiah. And I already knew, I've known for a long time that this was going to be um, a sermon that is preached. I didn't know until a couple weeks ago that it would, I'd be preaching it first. I thought about doing it later on. Uh, to explain some things in the middle of the book, but I've gone back and decided to do this up front since it does deal with the time period um, when Jeremiah first becomes uh, a prophet. And so what I want us to do today is go ahead and turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, and we're going to look at uh, four verses here, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time in Second Chronicles. And again, I, I, I'm going to have to move fairly quickly in order for us to get through this. So in Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, this is what God's Word says. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon. So who was that eight-year-old king? Josiah, right. So when did Jeremiah become a prophet? During whose reign? Josiah's. King of Judah. So where, where was, if, if Jeremiah is a prophet during Josiah's time, and Josiah is the king of this certain region, where is Jeremiah a prophet? In Judah, yeah. The 13th year, in the 13th year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until, they, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now, let me explain what this is saying here. So, Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, became a prophet during the reign of Josiah. Okay? He became, a, a, he became the prophet. His ministry started in the second year of Josiah's reign. But the, the, what we will see in the book of Jeremiah, I believe that said the 13th year. And then what we see in uh, what advances is, after Josiah's death, Jeremiah is still the prophet. And he's the prophet for two of Josiah's sons who did not do right. They, Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as we will see today. 
but just Josiah's father, which it lists here, Amon, uh, and his grandfather, Manasseh, they did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. They were extremely evil in their practices, and some of the practices that they were doing, even though Josiah brought reform, which we will see today, they were still paying the consequences of, of his father and grandfather, even during his reign and after his reign. And because his sons turned back to the ways of their, the ones who did not do right, um, the, man, the amount of pain that is in this book. I just want to warn you up front, Jeremiah's nickname is the Weeping Prophet. He is named the Weeping Prophet because during his reign, an immense amount of painful things occur. It, it is one thing after another that God warns the people about. The people refuse to hear the warnings, and so God allows bad things to happen. And we're going to see that as we go through Jeremiah. Uh, but go ahead and turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 34. So 2 Chronicles 34, this starts right after Ammon's death. And if, if you want to read some crazy stuff, you just read the few chapters before 2 Chronicles 34. Because you have, between Manasseh and Sennacherib, you have some crazy things going on in, in the middle of uh, 2 Chronicles. And so I encourage you, if you want to know a little background, if you want to get a little information about what has happened before in Judah that leads up to where we will begin in, in Jeremiah, then I encourage you to read a few chapters, the few chapters before 2 Chronicles 34. But we're going to start in 2 Chronicles 34. And in verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. That's a little scary, right? Good thing this kid was seeking the Lord because let's keep reading. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. So he died young. He died about my age. Verse 2. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father. Now, the Hebrew word here is father, but it doesn't literally mean his dad. David was not his dad. We've already seen that Amon was his dad. David was an ancestor. Uh, and David was, he's, call, he's called his father because Josiah modeled his life after an obedient king, and that would be David. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram and the carved and metal images. So he begins to wipe out the false gods. And we, and we live in a pretty inclusive society today, so we would look at this and say, well, what does he care if they're worshiping other gods? I mean, just uh, let them do their thing and let's do our thing. Except there are some reasons that you will see that will become crystallized and very, very clear as we get into Jeremiah, even immediately next week, we are going to see things why Josiah had to 
destroy these false gods. That it wasn't just an option to live peacefully because peaceful living wasn't an option. One of the things is, is that these people who were worshiping these false gods were the, the false religion required that they take their children and sacrifice them to these gods. And so you cannot live peacefully when murder and things like that are taking place. You have to do what is right and you have to stand up for what is right. And in general, um, all of us, should, we should make sure that we are standing up for what is right in a, in a loving way, in, a, in a, as kind as possible way, in a, um, in a way that is not going to turn more people away. But, you know, you catch more, you know, what's the phrase? You catch more bees, flies with honey? Flies with honey, yeah. And <clears throat> so uh, we, we want to be as peaceful and, as possible, but uh, sometimes that's not possible. Um, how much reason did Hitler listen to? Right, so you could not, you can't, you can't reason with people who are are bent on destroying, and that's how a lot of these false gods were. Another thing is that would make this different than, let's say, the United States of America, is that this was God's, these were God's people. This was God's country, you could say, the Israelites, and they had been infiltrated by these false gods, and the previous kings. Uh, Josiah's own father and grandfather, um, not only did they allow the false gods, they worshiped the false gods. And so Josiah is having to clean house. And, and that's where we find ourselves when, when Josiah takes over, things are in such radically um, horrible despair that it's too late for this country. That doesn't stop Josiah from doing what is right. But here's what we have to understand, and when we get to the end, this will be the final point of the sermon, is that, or one of the final points, is that someone's going to answer for sin. My sin, your sin, the sins of a country, the sins of a people, someone's going to answer for those sins. Now, for us, hopefully, we've put our faith in Christ, and Christ has already answered for our sins. But someone will answer for sin. That's for sure, because we serve a just God who is going to do what's right. And so, <clears throat> with that said, um, the life of Jeremiah was between the years, and depending on the scholar you listen to, um, these, these might differ a little bit, but um, between 645 to 575 B.C. And so, if you're wanting to set this, in, in, what time did this occur, um, this happened, you know, five, six hundred years before Jesus, okay, 645 to 575 B.C., before Christ. And if you want to know what's going to happen during the book of Jeremiah that is still referred to today, it's going to be the destruction of Jerusalem. It's going to be Babylon destroying everything and taking um, the Israelites as exiles back to Babylon. And so that's, that is a huge event, and that's what we're going to see during this time. The ministry of Jeremiah was uh, approximately between the years of 627 until he, he died in 575. Um, there are, we're looking in Second Chronicles, and we're going to see what's going on here in the life of Josiah as a setup. 
Uh, but you should know that Jeremiah himself, uh, he wasn't eight when he became a prophet, but he was 18. He was very young when he became a prophet. And not only that, um, while we're reading Second Chronicles today and while we're reading Jeremiah, here are some of the other prophets that lived during the same time as Jeremiah. Now, some of them did their ministry from Judah, some of them from Babylon, and some of them from what, what used to be Israel that was destroyed, the northern kingdom. Um, but those people are Nahum, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Daniel, Ezekiel, and Obadiah. And so those are minor prophets that you can, and, and a major prophet, that you can find in your Bibles. You can read what's, what they have to say about certain situations that they're addressing. And then you're going to see Jeremiah, and he, he is, Jeremiah is very close with the kings. He is, in not necessarily buddy type way, uh, but he is the one who is bringing the prophecies to the people, but also to the kings, and we're going to see some of that. But here in the life of Josiah, what we see is that when he takes over as king at eight years old, and very shortly after begins to um, seek God and begins to clean, cleanse the, the, the country, he is doing this in the middle of chaos. He is doing it in the middle of rebellion. And so there's some things that I think we can learn from Second Chronicles 34, though. The first being, as we see in verses 1 through 3, is that it's important for us to seek the Lord right now. We don't have to wait. We need to seek the Lord right now. If Josiah would have waited, then he probably would have turned out just like his dad and his grandfather. But while he was young, he chose to sought the Lord, to seek the Lord. Now, I was in a room earlier this week with, I would, I'm guessing, but I would say in that room, there were probably about 600 people. And they asked us, if, if you became a Christian as an adult, raise your hand. Two people raise their hand. It is now, we've had some people become Christians as adults since I've been here. But it is much more likely that we become Christians as children, as teenagers, as young adults. Because as we get older, we get fixed in our ways. Even if our ways are wrong, we get set in them. And it's harder and harder to change those things as we grow older and older. And so here we have a good example from Jeremiah, Josiah, I should say, and Jeremiah next week. Uh, but we have a good example from Josiah that while we are young, we begin to obey then. Don't wait. You know how many people I've heard say, well, I just want to do this or this, and, and then I'll follow the Lord. Well, I mean, come on. God is not into you, you get all your fun out of the way. And then put that in quotes, by the way. Uh, and then you can follow him. There is nothing better than following God. There is nothing more life-giving and nothing more rewarding than following God. Now, if you're following God in a way where all you care about is let me check off this rule and this rule and this rule and I did this and I did that, and you don't care about radically loving people and seeing him transform the world through you, then, yeah, I could see why that type of Christianity would be boring. But that's not the type of Christianity or Judaism for Josiah that he bought into. Now, sure, he was king. And he had an opportunity to, to radically change some things. But God uses common men. The king that he's, his father, David, was he always a king? No. What was he when he was a boy? 
a shepherd. Like the dirtiest, nastiest old job you can have. Right? And, he, and God used him for great things. And so right now, while we're still young, we need to choose to follow God. And as you get older, you know this. If you're a teenager in here right now and you're not following God, you know that it's harder. You can already feel it. You can already feel that, that pull to not be who God has created you to be. Now, you can definitely, I believe, fill a pull to be that person. I believe that all of us have this God-shaped hole inside of us that can only be filled by Him. And we can try to fill it with, with drugs or alcohol. We could try to fill it with the joy we get from our family. We can try to fill it with uh, the Chiefs because they're in the Super Bowl. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, we could try to fill it with good things or bad things. We could try to fill it with whatever we want. But the only thing that's going to plug that hole is God. And so, while we're still young, we need to be teaching our children how to follow God. And, and you don't have to just say, just do it because I do it. That's not, I mean, explain to them. Teach them. Show them truth. Don't be scared of any teaching that is out there. You teach them what is true. And you talk to them about those false teachings so that when they come into contact with those false teachings, they already know the truth. They already know what's real. And not just because my parent told me. They know it because they've studied it and they've seen it to be true. They've tried it. They've tested it. And it's real. Jesus is real. God is real. We don't have to be scared of what's out there. And we need to teach our children that now. We need to teach our teenagers that now. We need to do a much better job of supporting our next youth minister in youth ministry than we did with Matt during his time. Because a lot of what Matt and April were doing, and they had help, like Elizabeth and, and Melinda, but a lot of what they were doing was by themselves. That has to change. We as a church have to be passionate about reaching young people. Because when you reach young people for Christ, there is no telling what God might do through them. Look at how he's used me in my life. I was unchurched, un un I was not saved, and... My friends brought me to church, and I remember coming to church and thinking, man, this is amazing. There's people who, like, want me at their church, and they're not judging me for what I'm bringing in with me. They're just welcoming, and they're loving, and they're kind. And then Brandon acted like a, um, a father to me, even though he was only a few years older than me. Um, and he, he showed me that love, and, and it transformed my life. I became a follower of Jesus, and I don't know that I would have without my friends when I was young inviting me to church and my youth minister pouring into my life so much and, and other people in the church pouring into my life. It wasn't just my youth minister. It was Larry Vaughn. It was Kenny Deal. It was Roy Wetzler. It was Mamie Siemens. Mamie, that's a great name, huh? Anyway, it, there, there were men and women who poured into my life. And we have to do that. Sorry, that's a, I shouldn't have chased that, man. I'm, I've got four points to go. And anyway, actually five. All right, so let's skip down. So what happens is, is he, begins, he begins to cleanse um, the t the, not just the temples, but the country. And let's go to verse 14, okay? And so as they're cleaning out the temple, getting it ready to worship in it once more, um, they find a bunch of money. And in finding this money, 
Josiah says, okay, we'll give it to the people who are working. Like, pay them, restore this thing the way it should be restored, do it right. And, uh, and they begin to do that. And then they find something else. Let's go to verse 14. While they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest, anybody remember that name from those first few verses of Jeremiah? Jeremiah's father was named Hilkiah. Now, we don't know with certainty that this is the same man, but we, most scholars assume it is. I believe it is. Uh, Hilkiah is Jeremiah's father is what I'm saying. Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. If he found it, what does that mean? It was lost. They didn't know where it was. Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. Verse 15. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. That's it. I, I put a little, you know, read that a little strangely. But anyway, let's keep going. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Shaphan brought the book to the king. Who's the king? Yep. And further reported to the king. All that was committed to your servants they are doing. They have emptied out the, the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have given it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Now, here's my next point. My first point was, seek the Lord right now, no matter what your age is, seek him. Then my second point is found after verse 18, read the word. Read the word. Because Shaphan begins to read the word and we're going to see the radical difference that reading the word made. Uh, if you have to go find the word, then maybe that should be point number two. Go find the word and then read the word. But finding the word in our country is very easy. In fact, if there's anybody here who needs a Bible who doesn't have a Bible, we will give you a Bible. We have some paperback Bibles available for free here at the church. Or if you want to put a couple of dollars in the offering plate, they're very inexpensive Bibles. We will get you a Bible. Or if you have a smartphone, you can download the YouVersion Bible app. And you can get pretty much any translation you want on there and have access to the Bible on your smartphone or a tablet or a computer. Um, there, there, we live in a, in a time where finding the Word is easy. We don't have to go clean out the temple to find it. There are plenty of copies available in plenty of places. So let me know if you don't have a copy of His Word because we need to read His Word. And then he tore his clothes, right? Verse 19, verse 20. And the king commanded Helkiah... Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. They begin to read the book of the law, which most people believe is probably Deuteronomy. They begin to read this and they realize all the stuff that they need to be doing that they have not been doing. In fact, they have been doing the opposite of what God says you're supposed to do. I mean, if all they read was the Ten Commandments, Judah is in trouble. Because they are doing so many things opposite to what God's law says. And Josiah recognizes this. And he tears his clothes, which is a sign of repentance, of remorse. And he, t he tears his clothes and he, he tells them, go find out what's going to happen. And so Hilkiah and those whom the king had sent went to Huldah, 
to the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokhath, son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe. Now, this is not Diggory Kirk um, from the Chronicles of Narnia. This is a different wardrobe. Um, and now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter and, and spoke to her to that effect. And she said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring disaster upon the place and upon its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the book that was read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to, to, to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of, uh, of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that, have, that you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his word against this place and its inhabitants, and you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place and its inhabitants. And they brought back word to the king. All right, I'm going to stop there for time's sake. So what did... What happened? Well, judgment has been proclaimed upon Judah. But who's not going to receive that harsh judgment? Josiah. Why? Because he had a tender heart. Because he repented. Because he sought mercy from the Lord. And so my third point is this. Repent when God reveals sin and seek his mercy. Now, look. Unknown sin is still sin, but we can't repent of unknown sin. But as soon as the Lord reveals sin to us, we can repent. And so if there is any sin in your life right now, the answer is to repent. Because while we, love, while we serve a loving God who has proven his love by sending his son, he's proven his love by his immense patience, what we don't see are the decades of patience that preceded this moment when God says that he's going to judge. What we don't see is the abominations that were being done by the Israelites, by, by these people in Judah, that led to this proclamation that judgment is coming. But what we do see is that one man who is living right, who is seeking God, who is reading the word, hearing the word read to him, and is repenting that he is being spared. So we need to make sure that we understand that God grants forgiveness and mercy to those who seek it. So not only should we repent when God reveals our sin, but we should seek forgiveness and mercy because God grants it to those who seek it. Now, I'm having to cut out some of the verses that I was planning to read here. But just to make a long story short, he, Josiah, he comes back and he tells the people, hey, we got to repent. We got to get right. And he begins to do this Passover for the entire country. The Passover being um, the celebration to remember when God delivered the people out of Egypt 
when and they escape the plague of the, the, the death of the firstborn son. And if you put the blood of the lamb over your doorpost, then the, the, you would be fine. You would be good. And it was God's way of delivering his people out of Egypt. And they were celebrating this. Now, looking forward, of course, Jesus was the ultimate gift that was offered on Passover, right? On Passover weekend. Jesus was the ultimate example of a Passover lamb that covers sin and that protects us and gives us freedom. And Josiah, caught in between those two moments, is doing something to look back, and without even knowing it, he's doing something to look forward. Um, but for time's sake, I need to con- continue. And so he tells the people this, and, and they begin to, to do this humongous Passover. And then go with me to Second Chronicles chapter 35, verse 18. It says this, No Passover like it had been kept in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. Some say the judges, but Samuel was prophet during the judges. None of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as was kept by Josiah and the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel who were present, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. Now let me say this. If all the people would have been repenting and not just going through the motions, all of the people would have been granted the favor that Josiah was granted. But we will see when we get into Jeremiah that these people were just going through the motions, religious motions, just like people who do whatever they want during the week and then come to church and expect God to just be happy with them. That's not the way it works. We have to have a true heart of repentance. If we go back and we see it, why God spared, according to the prophetess, why God spared Josiah was because he had a tender heart and he was grieved by the sin. He repented of that sin. And so, um, last story before we close this out. At the end of chapter 35, after all this, verse 20, after all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, so Josiah's been working hard to get this temple back to where it needs to be, right? And God has promised him, look, you just follow me, you're good. I'm not going to bring judgment on you like I'm bringing it on the others. And there's this, there's this story, and I'm going to have to paraphrase it because we don't have time to read it, where the king of Egypt, Nico, comes out, and he, in, in the valley of Megiddo, uh, he is um, trying to pass through, and he's avoiding Jerusalem. He's trying to pass through because the Egyptians and the Assyrians have been fighting for a long time, and he's trying to pass through to fight the Assyrians. And I don't know why. I don't know. We're not given all the details, but what we know is that Josiah decides that he's going to go out and fight the king of Egypt. And the king of Egypt sends a delegate back to Josiah and says, hey, um, why are you doing this? I'm just trying to pass through. I don't have any problems with you. I'm just trying to get through to the Assyrians. I'm not going to mess with you guys. I just want to fight these people who are persecuting us. And in fact, God has told me to do this. Now, whether God had told him to do this, I don't know. But there is a lot of evidence that maybe God did tell the king of Egypt to do this. And uh, Josiah, of course, how would he know uh, what's going on there and if the king's being honest or not? 
But he goes out and doesn't listen to the king's advice, and he attacks them, and Josiah is killed on the battlefield. And all the what-ifs. What if this man who loved God, what if this man who loved his people, what if this man who was humble, who was willing to repent, who had a tender heart, what if he would have lived longer than my age right now? But we don't know. And this is heartbreaking. In fact, Jeremiah, in verse 25, Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah. And all the singing men and the singing women have spoken of Josiah in their laments to this day. This is the setting for Jeremiah. It's sad. There's a little bit of hopelessness. But here's what we, here's what we can learn from what we see in these last two settings. First, all the sin that had taken place and all the Passovers that were skipped and all of that, God didn't just say, ah, never mind. Someone has to answer for that. Someone has to answer for the sin. And so we need to realize that not only should we seek that forgiveness and mercy that we talked about earlier, but someone always answers for sin. That someone can either be us or that someone could be Jesus on the cross, but someone answers for sin. And the final point that we see here in chapter 35 is it is right to mourn the loss of good people. It is, they, they, they prepared these laments. They sang these songs to honor Jeremiah. And it should break our hearts when we lose good people on this earth. Now, we should also have great hope if they were followers of Christ, that they are in a much better place, that things are much better for them. But from our end, um, we've lost, we, we lose great leaders. We lose great wives and husbands and fathers and mothers and children. We lose great people when it's heartbreaking. And it's okay to mourn the loss of good people. More than okay, it's right. And so... As we get into Jeremiah, and we will, starting next week, we'll pretty much just stay in Jeremiah, unless we're looking at a fulfilled prophecy, we will pretty much just stay in Jeremiah from next week all the way until our last sermon in Jeremiah, which right now is scheduled for August 2nd. And so, um, what I want to challenge you to do today is this, I want you to think about the life of Josiah. I want you to think about the fact that he sought the Lord when he was young. He heard his word read, so we need to read his word. When he heard the word, he repented. And God gave him mercy and forgiveness because God, the fourth thing, God grants forgiveness and mercy to those who seek it. Of course, when I say seek it, I'm saying seek it in the right way, seek it with a a heart that is ready to repent, a heart that is ready to ask for forgiveness, a heart that is ready to live for him. Um, But what we also need to know is that if we don't seek it, we will answer for our sins. And then the last thing is it's right to mourn the loss of good people. And So in looking at these things, as we get ready for Jeremiah, it is going to be intense. It's going to be emotional. It's going, there are going to be times when you shake your head and say, 
what idiots. And then there are going to be times when you think, man, that, that was kind of harsh. And then there are going to be times when you think, God is so good. I cannot believe he offers us redemption and forgiveness like this. And it is, it is full of ups and downs. And it, you cannot read Jeremiah. You cannot study Jeremiah if you have any sort of a soft, tender heart and not be affected by it emotionally. It is an incredible book. And so I'm excited about the coming weeks, about studying this with you guys and to see where, where God will lead in this. Um, we're going to have a, a, a brief time of invitation. And Kenny, I'm going to ask that you, you don't even have to come up. We're just going to have instrumental. And while our musicians are playing, I'm just going to ask you if you would to bow your head. Just where you are, you don't have to stand. And my question to you this morning is, are you in here and you heard the warning of Josiah and how he began to seek the Lord when he was young? Is there, with every head bowed and eyes closed for privacy's sake, is there anyone in here who you've never asked Jesus to save you and you want to follow him? And this morning, you want to ask God to save you. If that's you, will you raise your hand for me? Is there anyone in here who knows, not just knows that they need to start reading God's Word, but they are committed to either begin reading God's Word or to read it more faithfully because His Word always results in power. If that's you, would you lift your hand for me? Thank you. Many people around the room lifting your hands. So, I just want to challenge you. It's one thing to know what you need to do, and it's another thing to do it. And so today, find a reading plan. Download an app. Pick up your Bible. Dust it off. If you don't have one, come to me. I'll get you one. But you respond to God in whatever way He's leading in that conviction. You follow through. You obey. And then the other thing is, is that we know that someone answers for sin. And so do you have sin in your heart this morning that you need to confess. If, if you have sin in your heart this morning, then I want to encourage you right now where you are, just between you and God, to tell God to name those sins. List those sins. Don't just generally say, I'm not that good of a person. Name the things that you've been doing. If you haven't been following God the way you should, tell Him that. And tell Him why. And you just spend a second asking God to forgive you of those things. Because God grants forgiveness and mercy, and mercy to those who seek it. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you miss someone that, that is gone on to heaven. Maybe you miss someone like Josiah whose life ended earlier than you wanted it to. I'm going to say a prayer for you right now as we get ready to dismiss along with prayers for those who have committed to reading God's word. And I just want to let you know that there are a lot of people in this church who love you and who care for you. And it's, it's never easy for us to know, like, do we ask for help? When do we talk about this? Are we bugging people too much? If you're going through something, please talk to someone. You have people in this church who love you and want to hear what you have to say. They care about what you're going through.
but they don't know if it would be rude of them to bring it up. And so there's that social discomfort in times like this. So I just want to encourage you, if you're a friend, take the risk of asking someone you love how they're doing if they've gone through a hard time. And if you're someone who's gone through a hard time, be brave and bring it up to a friend. Talk to a friend about it. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed.